Hey y'all, what up? It's your girl Lee, and welcome, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Black Girls Love Movies. Okay, so the day is here. The day has finally come. Um, we're gonna be reviewing episode eight of House of the Dragon. It aired last night, last Sunday. Um, this episode is titled The Lord of the Tides, and we're just gonna get into it. Y'all, I really enjoyed this episode. Um, it mainly focused on two things throughout the whole episode. The um, who's basically going to sit on the Driftwood throne and um, the death or the dying of Viserys. Those were the two main things that kind of happened in this episode and that pretty much drive the episode forward. So we start with another time jump. Now we've jumped about six years into the future. And at this point, Corliss, um, Steve Toussaint's character, the black guy with the dread, so he is no longer in the picture because of the war that has now stirred back up in in the stepstones he went out to fight and basically they don't know if he's dead or if he's in, in the process of dying but what they do know is somebody has to sit on the driftmark throne which is in driftwood so vaymond who is corlys's brother comes to princess um rainies and that was his wife remember she was the queen who never was basically um she was passed over for her cousin and Viserys I mean uh Vaymond is basically talking to her like listen girl this throne is gonna pass to me okay I am a true Valerian like it's me it has to be me like it's what my brother would have wanted or I think he kind of gives a backhanded um compliment but also like an insult to his brother like his brother is only focused on the history of what will happen to the house not focused on like the reality of kind of where their circumstances are in the moment and i'm not gonna lie i mean he definitely has a point you know like from his point of view he's right vernera's kids don't belong specifically um luceris he doesn't belong on the driftmark throne or the dr driftwood throne because he's not a valerian from his perspective um I'm sure if if Rainey's has said to Vaymond, oh, well, I'd rather put two my one of my two granddaughters on the throne, I'm sure he probably wouldn't have a problem. But even still, like, Vaymond is very adamant, like, those boys do not deserve this. And he goes out of his way to kind of warn Rainey's, like, listen, the Greens, which, like I talked about in the last episode, which is Allison and her father, Otto, they are gonna be in support of Vaymond because obviously they know the truth they don't want Rhaenyra to gain any power in any way shape or form basically they want her to destroy herself and they obviously they feel like the fastest way for us to kind of discredit her and make her seem illegitimate is to bring the truth keep talking about her kids basically keep bringing up this truth about the kids and their parentage so we kind of open up after we move out of that scene um because at the end of that scene between Vayman and Rainey's, basically, Vayman says, well, I'm going to take it to the king. Or better yet, I'm going to take it to the queen because she's actually ruling the Iron Throne if you didn't know, sis, is kind of what he says to his sister-in-law. So then we transition into Dragonstone. Now, we all know that the heir to the Iron Throne is always going to be the seat of Dragonstone. Basically, that's what they're going to, that's where they're going to primarily be before they transition into being the king or queen or whatever the case may be so we open up and this scene is really interesting because we, throughout the course of the show and even with game of thrones we have no idea 
we've never physically seen like how dragon eggs are laid or how they're hat like we've kind of seen how they're hatched but we don't get to see like kind of that before process i guess and the show people or the um props people went out of their way to make these dragon eggs so beautiful and even the props people said they made like 30 or 40 different color eggs and they're all like these beautiful different colors and some of them glow their scales even like the shape of these eggs is different than the eggs that we see in game of thrones and they really wanted to make it look visceral look real like what you know what does a dragon laying an egg actually look like like what is that going to be and they made it so like it's kind of like a mix like if a lizard and a snake and who else like lays i'm trying to think of an animal that lays eggs but then has like a substance that goes over the eggs to protect them and i can't but that's basically what it is so these dragon the eggs are laid in the inside of the volcano inside basically the fire the sulfur or whatever and that's where they're laid and you have to go in there and dig them out and either kind of put them in kind of like how they hatch chicken eggs like you gotta put it in a warmer or an incubator or something but most often because at this point we you know in the next scene we see that um Raina Rhaenyra is pregnant with um Damon's third child yeah third child so in six years she about to have six kids can y'all believe it in total so um he's really excited damon because he, we're we're watching this process of him get these eggs through um through his eyes like through his kind of lens and he's obviously really excited cyrax had these three eggs so remember cyrax is um um rhaenyra's dragon and she had eggs and it's ironic because remember in the previous two episodes Rhaenyra was really adamant like well you know if Cyrax has any more eggs you know your son she at that point she was talking about Aemon she was like your son can have his choice or whatever but we all know what happened with that so I think it's really interesting to kind of see that that first because I don't think we've ever really seen Damon happy and the moment that we see him happy he's he's talking to the dragon training people um the actual true I think they're also Valerians as well um or they're from or or they're just like a group of people that came from the doom I don't I don't really know what they are I want to say they're Valerian I don't think they're Targaryen but they're a specific group of people I mean I think they're from Ashai um and they basically work in fire and blood magic and they're the ones that kind of tame these dragons and watch over them so in that scene where he's like I said that's the first time you ever see Damon really happy and then in that same scene one of the egg trainer people they kind of come to him like listen bro like your daughter on the way and she ain't bringing good news and you see that they basically are trying to tell them listen our uncle Damon is trying to question and trying to come for the Driftmark throne or the Driftwood throne and we need you dad like we need you to show up basically is what his one of his twins is telling him Bela so we transition from that scene because he's got to go tell Rhaenyra immediately to seeing an older version of Jace now I got I can't lie Jace and the strong boys are very likable characters you know they're set up that way um and it's very interesting to see him working really hard to kind of like be a good son for his mom like really live up to his position as future heir you know what I mean and you can tell like he's really trying 
to be a good son for her and like prove himself and the scene where the scene then transitions because Rhaenyra basically says to her son Jace you know like you're not gonna learn high valerian in a day like I'm proud of you son but listen like it's okay like enough is enough so she kind of dismisses him in the maester when Damon comes in to share this news about um, what's going on in Driftmark. And Raina and Damon kind of come up with a plan together against Damon and still also wonder like, well, what is Rainey's also trying to do as far as like, well, like, why is she, why is she showing up? You know what I mean? Like she don't really have a claim. Like I don't understand. Basically they're just kind of, they're not scrambling, but they're trying to get an understanding of what does the plan field look like? Basically what, what are we about to walk into when we end up going to King's Landing? And to be honest, that whole scene, I just kept saying to myself, listen, girl, as long as Viserys is alive, you always going to have issues with them kids. Okay. Like, you know, that your children are not legitimate. Like, I get it. You trying to believe the lie too, sis. I get it. You, you trying to believe, but at some point you would think Rhaenyra would be honest with herself. Like, damn, I really got, I really fucked myself up. I really put myself in the worst position, <laughs> by sleeping with a man outside of my marriage and now my children are legit are truly illegit illegitimate and now i'm having to work four times as harder as i had to before to get where i need to be and you would think that she would kind of like you would think she would stop kicking herself in her own ass but literally like it's like she can't help but do it so we transition into them going to king's landing and, and i'm not even gonna lie i had a feeling that this wasn't gonna go how they wanted to but the thing that really kind of irked me was the scene starts out where Damon and Rhaenyra end up in King's Landing, right? So this is everybody kind of coming to make their own claim to the Driftmark throne because you have Rhaenyra and Damon, you have Vaymond, Rhaenys, all of these people are coming to basically say, I deserve to sit on this chair more than everybody else. And... <laughs> nobody comes to greet them princess venera uh, princess venera and damon nobody is there the only person that shows up is like lord caswell and you know what i thought that was really crazy because the scene transitions and they're in like a council meeting and allison's high and mighty ass is sitting at the front of the table and her dad's to the right side of her and the one of the guards walk in and says, you know, that the prince and the princess have arrived. And Otto, with his backhanded self, got the nerve to talk about some. I hope they were met. Um, what does he say? I hope they were met as accustomed to their station. Something about as their station is net. I just thought it was really unnecessary. Basically, I hope they felt how little we think of them. You know, and honestly, I thought that was really unnecessary to be good because to be quite honest, sir, you really haven't been sitting in that seat very long. And if it wasn't for your shady ass daughter, you wouldn't be sitting in that seat right now. But, you know, quiet as it's kept. But anyway, I just think it's really crazy because the first thing that Rhaenyra and Damon say when they walk in is they see this big, this big ass stone seven pointed star like in the middle of this hallway that we've seen before because this is the same hallway that she walked like when she after she gave birth and Allison was like I want to see the baby or whatever and she's bleeding walking with Lenore down the hall up the stairs this is the same hallway and at the end of this hallway is this big ass stone star and Rhaenyra is thrown off just like we're thrown off because 
it's just really crazy. And I wrote in my notes, it's really funny how people act a certain way and then try to be holier than now and hide behind religion to make up for what they actually did wrong. And that's exactly what Allison is doing. And even the showrunners point that out. If you look at Allison in this episode and then go look at her at the la- in the last episode when they was at the funeral and then um, after Rhaenyra gave birth, these women look totally different. It's the same woman, but the way that they have her dressed is totally different. She looks like a nun. She looks like a green nun without the hood because she's she's got all uh, the seven pointed star like right in the middle it's big and gold and like chained onto her like she looks very conservative very covered the, the dress doesn't really give her any shape it, it looks like a green scepter dress like you know how the nuns in the show like the the nuns wear gray basically and the women that are a part of the church or have like devoted their life to the shirt church they wear a gray version of a nun's outfit and that's exactly what she has on it's green and she don't have a hood on and I just thought wow Allison like you really have just you really have just fallen because the fact that you are I don't even think she was really that religious before but the fact that you hiding behind this religion now is really it's really sad it's really sad and honestly I can see through it um and I wrote in my notes it's funny that she she throwing rocks and hiding her hand but it's okay because that's gonna catch up to her um the other thing that really kind of pissed me off as we're kind of going through King's Landing is there's a scene with Allison and Diana Diana was one of the servants that helped aim at Aegon and um Aegon's sister wife Helena and it really pisses me off and I wrote in my notes that Allison has no room to judge anybody especially Rhaenyra because not only are you making excuses for your crazy and almost and drunk loser pathetic ass son but you low-key are blaming the girls and I really don't like that I think that makes me even more like that makes me kind of hate her more so basically they're they transition into a scene where Allison says you know they're talking shit about in in the council meeting they're talking shit about Damon and Rhaenyra and Allison says, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to go greet our guests or whatever, right? One of the twins, it's, it's Arik and Eric, basically, two twin knights to serve in the King's Guard. One of them comes up to her and says, in no certain terms, like, listen, something happened with your son, girl. Like, he, he done messed with somebody else and you need to deal with it. So Allison meets with a girl, the girl's name is Diana. And Diana innocently tells her, like, in no certain terms like I was doing my job and your son came on came on to me and basically sexually assaulted me right so you think at one point like okay so Allison maybe she do believe her like she seems to be sympathetic she seems to like care enough about this girl but then like I knew she was gonna do her real face showed up and basically she told the girl like nobody can know about this I believe you but you know other people may not actually believe you other people may even blame you for what happened so why don't we do this and allison gives her a sack of, a sack of gold basically money and then makes her drink the moon tea which is i guess some sort of abortion tea i can't really think of another term for it but yeah i mean it's basically it, it forces you to expel if you think you're pregnant so to me, I think she's not as sympathetic. She's not really, a, you know, on the side of women. Like, I truly think she's selfish. 
she doesn't want her son to have a bunch of bastards running around basically because look at what she's dealing with Rhaenyra and her kids so she feels like well I'm doing the thing that a mother has to do I'm taking care of the problem so you pay this girl God knows how many other girls you done paid off in the way that you have the scene in the next moment where you're talking to to Aegon makes it seem like this is a regular thing for you and him like you do this thing quite often getting rid of these girls and paying them off and stuff like that it seems like this is a regular thing for her and like I said I just really I don't know I feel like Diana is the is the audience right because at at one point you think oh you know the queen is on my side she's really sympathetic to me like she believes me but as soon as she started talking like you know I, I can't protect what other people will say about this. And, you know, other people will say that, that you did this on purpose. And, you know, that's when I was like, ooh, you foul as hell, Allison. But it's all right. Mm, it's all right. Something coming for you. So, so yeah. So, then, to me, um, like I said, once you transition away from that scene with her and, and um, Amond, I just put, I'm sorry, not Amon, her and Aegon, I just put the Aemon, Aegon is a drunk and a loser. He's a drunk and a loser. He's sorry. And I put he's a shitty husband because of the way he treats his wife slash sister. Um, and Helena, poor Helena, she just going along for the go along. You know what I mean? She's just, she's just, just there. You know, she really don't serve no other purpose. And I kind of feel bad for her. So now we're going to transition um, to... Rhaenyra and Damon actually seeing Viserys for the first time since they've come back from King's Landing or the first time that they've seen him since they've landed in King's Landing coming from Dragonstone so when we see Viserys for the first time in this episode I mean he looks like the walking dead that's all I kept thinking about last night I just started to feel sorry for him I was already feeling sorry for the man but now I feel even more sorry for him because it's like he is barely holding on he looks so decrepit he looks so sickly you know what I mean he don't have an he's missing his arm he's missing an eye he's he like he looks like a sack of skin and bones literally like and he's wheezing the the people the post-production people I swear they did a good job because every time like you believe that that Patty Costa and maybe he is doing it but I'm telling you the wheezing the sounding like he breathing through a, a balloon with holes in it you know what I mean like it, it just sounds so terrible and I kept thinking while I was watching the scene like Rhaenyra as a daughter like this must be really painful for you you haven't seen your father in almost six years and now that you see him, you thought he looked bad before, but he looked really bad now. And it would make me, if I was a daughter, it would make me even more angry towards Allison and Otto because it's like y'all been, y'all made him this way. Y'all want him to die. Y'all don't take care of him properly. And then every time they talk about the maesters, the maesters, it, it honestly, you can tell it pisses Rhaenyra off because it's like you talking about the maesters and your maesters are the reason he doesn't have an arm. Like, your, your maesters are the reason that he's like this. My maesters could have kept him alive. So there's a lot of back and forth about that. And you know what? There's even a moment where Damon is, Damon was having a hard time looking at him. You know, like, who wants to look at their brother, like, waste away? Like, oh, he, he had to, 
there was a moment where he was like trying to say something to Viserys, but he couldn't finish his sentence and had to look away and finish. I mean, that's powerful um, because you truly see somebody wasting away. I mean, I can't emphasize that enough. Wasting away. Think of an ice cream cone melting in the sun. Think of, (laughs) I don't know, think of a pile of sand being blown away by the wind. I mean, literally, like make up any analogy you want. And I promise you, it it will fit perfectly because this man is dying. Like I mentioned, this and who's going to be on the Driftmark Throne are the two things that drive this episode. Now, the one other thing I did want to mention is that Viserys did get to meet um, his two grandchildren from his two new grandchildren between Rhaenyra and Daemon. And it's very interesting what they named them. So the first son that Rhaenyra and Daemon have together, they named that son Aegon. The second son is then named Viserys. And then this third child is a girl and um, she will be named Visenya. <coughs> so I know a lot of y'all are like, all these names repeating is so confusing. Well, one thing I can definitely kind of talk about from the history point of it, George R. R. Martin is always adamant that <coughs> Game of Thrones and a lot of these families and things that we see, they're based on real European English families. You know, the War of the Roses is kind of how he got inspired to write Game of Thrones. And the War of the Roses was a, a war between the Tudors and the Stuarts on who's who is legitimate enough to sit on the throne of England. So that's kind of where the real life aspect of it. And honestly, in England, if you look at a lot of those family trees, specifically, like if you just look at the most recent one, like Queen Elizabeth just died, look at her family tree and tell me, you're not going to see the name Elizabeth, Mary, Charles, William. Those names are repeated. And I think on the one hand, it's like it's partly on the one hand, it's the honor, right? It's it's an honor to be named after somebody so historic or somebody so great in your family. And two, I think it's more like recognizing, you know what I mean? Um, like the people know who you are because of the family that you belong to because the name goes with the family kind of like that so I know a lot of people say oh the names repeat it's confusing hell it's confusing for me too even when I'm looking at my notes I still get confused because these names are hard to tell and a lot of them sound the same so I'm not gonna lie that's an honest criticism but yeah it's really important that Viserys meet his these grandchildren I I think that was really an, an important moment and you can tell like it was a lot like he was happy to meet them he even you know laughed a little bit and said that Viserys was a great name for for a king you know what I mean like at the end of the day this man is still a grandfather like he's still a dad so I can only imagine like him probably the the pain that he feels because they have him like high off milk of the poppy and milk of the poppy if you hear people say that when they talk about the show is like an in-universe drug for pain they give it to people for pain they give it to you for sleep it's not like a wonder drug but it's the best that they can do honestly for for people for pain so the thing that really kind of (laughs) the thing that made me laugh um is there's a scene um, where Allison comes in, she comes into the room after she's kind of done dealing with Aegon. 
she comes into the room where um Rhaenyra and Damon are in Viserys's room and she starts talking to them you know and they do give Allison some shit like you know I guess you know we don't know what it's like to run a kingdom so I guess that's why you had us waiting huh you know what I mean like they definitely give her a hard time about it and I did peep that Allison looks at Rhaenyra's scar like yeah you want to hide behind your church and you want to hide behind religion. But let's not forget, Shorty, you definitely sliced your, your stepdaughter's arm wide open in front of witnesses. And you're still crazy as hell. You just don't want to admit it. So Damon kind of gives her this backhanded comment like, how how are you and Otto running anything, any kind of communication between, between what the king wants and, and what you need to do. And Allison kind of says to him, like, oh, you know, we just, we follow the king's instruction. And Damon's like, how? Through blinks and wheezes? Like, how? And I legit laughed because I was like, yo, Damon is all of us. Damon is literally the audience. I said, you damn right, son, because who the hell... Oh. You have basically Allison. He could have said like your husband is so drugged up. He don't know his name, my name, your name. He don't know what day it is. And you talking about some you taking direction from the king, girl? Who the hell are you lying to? Is what he wanted to say. And it's it kind of reminds me of this. It's like you know any any person who's ever like had a stepfather or a stepmother come in, and then you just start seeing them, specifically a stepmom. It's like your mom and dad get divorced and your dad get remarried to another woman and this stepmom is she come in and she started changing the house and making y'all go vegan and just just doing all kinds of stuff in the house that y'all ain't never done before you know what I mean it kind of feels like that that's why Rhaenyra and Damon are so thrown off when they come into the castle because they're like what the hell you know what I mean and even the show people are like, look, Allison then came in there. She didn't took all the, all the dragon porn. And she didn't <laughs> she didn't put up all the all the seven pointed stars because you know she's she's trying to be holier than thou. And I mean, think about it like this: if you know you about to go to war with people, wouldn't you want to have the religious people on your side the most? You know what I mean? You want to have the people with the most faith and fervor. You want to have them people on your side fighting your war, right? So I mean, I get it. It makes sense. Now, the one thing that I did want to mention is I just get really sick and tired of Allison and her higher, holier-than-thou attitude hiding behind her cloak of religion. And that's what I put in all my notes. I, like, ain't you tired, Allison? Don't you get tired? Like, it must be exhausting. That's why Rhaenyra said that to you in the last episode. It must be exhausting being fake like that all the time. I would lose my mind, too. Now, let's transition into the courtyard. Because this, um, the kids haven't been back here since they, I should say, um, the strong boys haven't been back here since they real dad knocked Kristen Cole across the face. And I will mention, this is the only appearance of Kristen Cole. I actually rewatched the episode a few times and I couldn't find him anywhere. This was the only time you, like, saw his face full on and he was training Aegon, um, Aemond. Now, for those who don't remember, now, Aemond is the second son this is the one that got his eye cut out in the last episode talking about some i may have um he's such a poser talking about some i may have lost an eye but i gained a dragon you soft as hell little boy that's how i feel which is why i think he has like this weird complex like when you see the older version of him with the eye patch and everything <laughs> it's funny be to me because 
he's so cruel but he has this complex like look at me y'all look at me in my one eye you know look at me I got the biggest dragon like I'm the best fighter like he just seems to he's like a pick me and it's annoying to be honest because when he says what he says at the dinner it's like oh he's such a female like you act like a whole female right now that's how I was feeling so Amond is basically you it's like he want to fight his nephew because obviously Luke was the one that took his eye out but then the the scene transitions because now everybody has arrived so now we got to transition into the secession of Driftmark and that's kind of what stops Amon because had them had his uncle and his aunt not showed up I promise you, he would have got into Lucera's ass. He definitely would have wanted to fight. Probably wanted want, would have wanted to maim him. You know what I mean? And that that is how the scene ends with them with us like kind of following Vaymond into the castle. Kind of, you know, he he shows up. So now now shit really got to pop off. Now we got to see what's ha- what's gonna happen in Driftmark basically. So before we get into the succession of Driftmark, something really important happens between Rhaenyra, Princess Rhaenyra and Princess Rhaenys. Now, we we see Rhaenys in, I think, the Godswood or whatever. She's standing in front of a tree, minding her own damn business. Probably trying to figure out what the hell she's going to say when she walk in here. Um, and then you see Bela. So Bela is one of the twins from um, Lena and i i'm assuming like you know she probably hasn't seen her grandma in such a really long time so obviously that's who rhaenyra brings to soften her you know what i mean so they kind of have a little back and forth and you know rainies can kind of see through rhaenyra she don't she she's not trying to hear whether or not rhaenyra has something to do with her son dying like she don't give a damn about that you know she's she's not the one to be played she plays the game So Rhaenyra tries to come to her with a marriage proposal, basically saying, listen, you know, I know, I know what the fuck is being said about me. Okay. I already know. You don't have to tell me. I don't have to say it out loud. I already know. So, but what I do know is my sons can marry your daughters and your daughters will have a set claim to not only the Iron Throne, but they'll also sit on Driftmark and you won't have any problems. Rhaenys, she, she, she said, I ain't trying to hear that shit. At this point, Rainey's has planted her flag and she says, you know what's about to happen to you, little girl? The Greens are about to show their ass. You are out of options. It's basically what Rainey says. Rainey's don't want to have nothing to do with Rhaenyra because at this point, they all kind of know that this whole fake secession thing is just for them to continue to put Rhaenyra in the spotlight and say, your kids aren't real your kids aren't legitimate. Your kids are bastards. So that's how this scene ends. Rhaenyra don't have no allies at this point. She she got to go in there ready to fight. And Rainy says, girl, fuck you. I'm not helping you. My daughter died because of your raggedy ass husband. My son died because of you and your husband. Whether or not you want to admit y'all had something to do with it or not. I'm not, I'm not with these games with you. And you're right. It doesn't matter. She says, this is generous or desperate. And it don't even matter which one it is. And she walks off. And that's the end of that. So now, now we're about to get into the secession. So this, (laughs) this secession starts out really, really funny to me. Because 
Otto, with his with his also high and mighty ass, is sitting on the Iron Throne, making this big speech about you know. They just so fake to me and I just don't I just don't like them. They're just such posers. Like I understand their motivation, but I don't like them as characters because their motivation to me is is stupid. Like I understand it, but it's still dumb as hell to me cuz it's like, bro, like the war about to happen because of you and your shady ass daughter you shouldn't have had you shouldn't have brought your daughter into the mix anyway but because you wanted a high tower to be on the throne so bad you about you about to see what's about to come of this so anyway Otto sitting on the throne with like i said with his high and mighty ass and he sets it up so that vaymond goes first and vaymond gives a very good speech again i'm not gonna lie vaymond gives a lot of some he's given some of the best speeches on this show so Vayman kind of goes in to saying to talk about the the similarities between the Targaryens and House Valerian about them both leaving the doom and kind of building up their houses into something great on their own. And he basically says that my blood is pure. Rhaenyra doesn't know anything about pure blood. She doesn't know anything about that. You know what I mean? Like she her kids do not deserve to sit on the Iron Throne. And he continues to go on and on and on he's he you know is very adamant about presenting his case and this is what my brother would have wanted and whatever whatever right so excuse me so then he finishes his speech and then and it's so funny because every time she like come she has to like defend herself or stand up for herself in public spaces like this here comes her dad walking in king viserys saving the day and i said now i know y'all did not get that old ass man out of bed limping and carrying on he don't even look he look like he about to pass out i was just so worried every time every time you see viserys like at this point in this episode every time you see him walk around it's like lord he just he ain't gonna make it he he on his last leg for real like mm. now as soon as Rainy uh Rhaenyra tries like she she says you know the fact that I have to address this farce like before she really even gets into it her dad walks in and that changes the whole dynamic of everything in that room because like I just mentioned I told y'all Rainy's told Rhaenyra that she could go to hell she was like I don't care my she's like I don't care about marriages and none of that I don't care about none of that I'm not on your side but you have to pay attention to everybody's facial expression when the king walks in because they know he is not budging. You know, everybody can make these claims and cases in front of Otto and Allison, but the king is, is steadfast on who is going to secede him, which is why as he's walking in, you can just see like everybody, anybody who walked in there with a plan, they planned with the shit when the king walked in, I'm telling you. So the one thing I do want to mention, though, that, you know, the king is trying to be strong and he's limping and they play like this big, swelling, dramatic music. And um, they they try to like show you like he's trying to be strong, but also like this is a moment to really, you know, feel sorry for this man because he is crawling up them stairs to get into that chair. He, he you know, he bends down too far and the crown falls off. He waves away his guards that are trying to help him. But the one person he couldn't wave away was his brother. And I think that that is such a beautiful moment because as much beef as both of them have had, I think Damon seeing how did how just 
deteriorated his brother was in those previous scenes you know at the end of the day he's like this is still my brother like I still love this man regardless of anything that's ever happened regardless of the beef like you can tell he genuinely wanted to help him up there he puts his crown on his head like it's a really beautiful moment and I think that's one that I really love in the in the whole episode is it's like their way of kind of saying like I forgive you brother like I love you and I forgive you like I don't need to have this beef, this animosity. You know what I mean? Like, you an old-ass man. You about to die. At this point, I just need to enjoy this little bit of time I got left with you. That's that's how I took the scene. And I just kept thinking in my head, like, this man, just he just won't quit. He just will not quit. Now, he goes on. Once Viserys is actually on the throne and he kind of takes a, a quite a few breaths before he can kind of get started... He's wondering, you know, why are we even holding this council? Why are we even hearing these claims when we already know what's up? Why why are we here, y'all, is basically what he's saying. And then he says, the only person that can give me insight into what Corliss would have wanted is his wife, Rainey's. So, remember I told y'all Rainey's told Rainier to go to hell? Well, Rainey's come up, and I put in my notes, this this lady is the definition of switching sides, so she makes a quick adjustment with this new information i.e the king walking his ass in the room and she basically says well my husband always wanted his grandson luceris to fall in you know basically to secede him and she even throws in the marriage proposal because you know that will only make her look better and that's at the end of the day that's what she knows her cousin Viserys wants to hear he don't want to hear nothing about descent and nothing like that all he want to hear is families coming together remember how excited he got when Rhaenyra told Alicent that her future kids could marry Helena or whatever and Alicent won't go on for that shit neither well, Rainey's, like I said, this is this lady is the definition of switching sides. She changed her opinion based off the new information that was presented to her. And she said, my grandchildren's lives are worth more. And that's what she was saying with that statement, which is why Vayman looks so pissed because he's like, girl, I know, I know you just did not come in here and lie, bold-faced lie at that. So, um... When that happens, Vaymond then basically comes out, and this is when he gets real upset. He says that Luke and Jace are not his nephews. They never will be his nephews. They're bastards. And he says Rhaenyra is a whore. And that's it. That is it. Once he says that, and it's so funny because Viserys, <laughs> I put him on, I put him on those, Viserys, sit your ass down. You ain't finna do nothing. Because as soon as that happened, he... Viserys called himself getting up and grabbing for his knife, talking about some, I'll have your tongue for that. And it happens so fast, it scares the shit out of you when it happens. It happens so fast, but then Damon takes Dark Sister and basically slices um, Vayman's head off. And yeah, that's the first time I think in this series where we've seen somebody get their head chopped off, I think. Last season, we had to wait all the way to episode 10. To the end of the season. I wonder if they if they was gonna save that for the next episode. So yeah, y'all. Um it's it's a sad thing. I mean, it's a sad thing that Vayman had to die like that. Because I kept writing in my notes, he he knows the truth, and the Game of Thrones is something serious because 
no one ever gets anywhere. People who've watched Game of Thrones know no one ever gets anywhere by telling the truth. It doesn't, I mean, in this, in this world, it doesn't benefit you. So I knew that he wasn't long for this world. I didn't know he was going to go out like this. I ain't going to lie, but I knew that Vaymond just because he was so adamant on letting the truth be known on calling out the hypocrisy of it doing what Allison been trying to do but Allison can't do because of her position and because she's married to the king and like I said in that last episode in episode seven when everything does come to a head and they all fight in, in Driftmark or whatever you know he said Viserys says like please stop this infighting you know we're stronger together as a family like y'all just can't y'all can't keep doing this so um I do want to talk about the dinner or what I'm kind of calling the last supper because I I kept getting really weird last supper vibes and we're going to talk about it more. Um, I just kept getting weird vibes of the last supper at the scene for the dinner. But yeah, like I said, that, we just kind of ended with the secession just a few moments ago. So yeah, Viserys, your ass wasn't going to do absolutely nothing. I don't know why you you thought you was going to do something. That was probably the funniest scene, too. You know, Viserys really standing up thinking he was going to do something. Won't going to do nothing. All right, so now we're going to talk about The Last Supper. Well, <laughs> I keep it's not The Last Supper. I'm sorry. It's it's the last dinner, basically. It's, it's um, Viserys' last dinner with his family. The reason why I kept getting Last Supper vibes is because when you, when you look at the picture of The Last Supper, traditionally, obviously, Jesus is in the middle. And then to his left and right are, respectively, three, three disciples on each side on his immediate left and right side. So I, I looked it up and I kept trying to figure out, I was like, wait, is, is Judas on the left or is Judas on the right? Because it, technically whoever betrays him is going to be on his right side, right? That's what I was thinking. So when I looked up the picture, if you look at Jesus head on, obviously, like I said, he's in the middle to his left. It's, um, Peter, John and Judas. And then to his, well, I'm sorry. If we're looking at the picture straight on, it's our our left, Jesus's right. So to the right side of Jesus, Peter, John, and Judah, and then to his immediate left, it's Thomas, James, and Philip. So I was thinking to myself, I was like, well, the person who betrays Jesus is Judah. Judah in the picture is sitting on Jesus's right-hand side. Um... And in the picture, in some pictures I, I saw where Jesus and Judah are like reaching for the same bread. And in the Bible that the, he, you know, Jesus mentions that, that the person that betrays me or something will reach for, will reach for the same bread. And then, and Judas's other hand is like a, is a sack. And they say that's, that's the money that they gave him to betray Jesus. So I, I kept thinking to myself, like, is that, is, is that what they're giving us? Like, is this the last supper? Is is somebody going to die at this dinner? You know, I just I just had all these crazy thoughts. So I do genuinely think that they were trying to to foreshadow because Rhaenyra isn't necessarily betraying her father. Rhaenyra is moving in the energy of I need to further Aegon the Conqueror's dream of a song of ice and fire. And if you all remember, 
uh, A Song of Ice and Fire is the name of the series of books written by George R. R. Martin. But in the show, A Song of Ice and Fire is a is a dragon dream that Aegon the Conqueror, the first Targaryen that came and actually founded the Seven Kingdoms, he had a dream that basically said that a great war will break out which we know is is the war between the white walkers and man a great war will break, break out and the and basically the only thing that will keep the seven kingdoms together is if a targaryen is at the head of the kingdom now the prophecy technically came true because you had Jon snow and you had daenerys targaryen and they were kind of like the head of the dragon and they are they are the song of ice and fire basically well john is the song of ice and fire and they kind of added to it but nevertheless so boom so what's happening is in this dinner let me get back to the dinner because i definitely went on a tangent and i don't know what point i was trying to make At, in this dinner the whole time i was waiting for the king to say like one of you one of you for forsake me like i honestly i was really thinking like they was going to go that far but no um I just kept thinking, how is this man holding on? Because they don't have wheelchairs at this time, obviously. So he's he's bound. He can't walk or do anything. So they're carrying his his king's his personal king's guard is carrying him into this um, dining room where all the family is sitting, and they all sitting around him too. Like how and the way that they're sitting around him reminded me of the Last Supper too. Because now traditionally, when we look at the picture, everybody's sitting at a long table, but we know historically people didn't sit at tables like that. They sat around, you know, in like an oval or a U shape. They sat around each other, so you know, nobody was just sitting in no straight line back then. I don't, I don't believe. No research that I saw said that tables were were traditionally made that way. So that's also kind of made me think, damn, this is giving me Last Supper vibes. So boom. So the king starts to kind of go into this speech about how happy he is to have his family. And he genuinely, I mean, as a man that's dying, he probably really wants his family to be together. If you've ever experienced that in your life, you know that traditionally when you know that somebody is going is not long for this world you do try to surround them by fam with family and friends and people that love them and cherish them people that want to want to see them off basically and this that's what Viserys wants he wants to be surrounded by his all his family his immediate children his current wife his grandchildren his great-grandchildren you know well not his great-grandchildren because nobody's had any great-grands yet yeah no nobody's had any great-grands but that's what he wants and it's so funny because he says to them i want you to see me as i am and that's when he takes his like half gold mask off which was giving me um it was giving me harp what is what is that group that the cell sword group that comes to um the pyramids i can't think of their name but it's sons of the harpy it's giving me sons of the harpy vibe so he takes his mask off and he says i want you to see me as i am y'all he has no eye he has no eyeball like it's a socket a dry socket at that um he's like decaying on his side like you can basically see into his see into his jaw you know what i mean like he just he's bones and skin at this point i don't know how he moving so he says, I want you to see me as I am. I want you to see me as I am. And I guess he he does this so he can show them like 
I am not long for this world. And what I want y'all to do as your father, as your grandfather, I want you to be there for each other. I want you to support each other. And like he's been telling um, Rhaenyra from episode one, a house divided cannot stand. And he says that, and I know that's a quote straight from Abe Lincoln. But basically, he he keeps saying that this the house of Targaryen cannot... All this infighting literally has to stop if if y'all want to continue to be a family. It's the same thing that Jaharis said, which is why he had a great counsel. Go back to episode one. He said that the only thing that can destroy a dragon is another dragon. The only thing that can destroy House Targaryen is its is other members of the family. So, to me, all this sounds good. All these speeches sound great. But I know better. And I am just like Damon. Damon gives me the vibe of like, Lord, I want all this fake shit to stop. Like anytime something fake happens, they paint, they, they like quickly pan to Damon and he's laughing or giggling to himself or like egging people on. Like Damon is really with the shits and he really do not like this fake funky. He he don't like, he don't do, he just don't like that. Which is why he was in Pentos in the first place. He does not like playing politics. He don't like this messy stuff. He just like to get straight to it. So, like I said, I wish I could believe all of this. But I, I know better. And you know what? Amon is with the shit too. Ready to pop off. And I kept saying that all through this dinner. Like, Amon just, Amon just looked like he ready to say something he ain't got no business saying. He just looked like he ready to put somebody's business out on Front Street and just embarrass them. Now, the one thing I did mention, um, because once Viserys gives his speech, uh, Rhaenyra gives a speech, and then Allison gives a speech. It's all fake as hell, y'all. It's all fake. I don't want y'all to watch this scene and really think... Oh, they're coming together as a family. No, they're they are faking because they feel bad because Viserys is in the room. If Viserys wasn't there, they wouldn't even be talking to each other. And if they was, they'd be hurling insults back and forth. So I said um, that Jace, I say all that to say that Jace to me is a better politician and he's better at the political machinations of it all. More so than his cousin, um, Aegon, because like, uh, Aegon is such an asshole. Like, oh, God, I'm so ready for him to, to die. It's going to happen, y'all. So that's not a spoiler. Um, but yeah, I said that he is a better politician because earlier in that scene, Aegon is making like sexual jokes to Jace and um, Bela basically saying that Jace don't know how to have sex. He's a virgin. He don't know where, you know, do you even know where the basically he don't know how to perform the act of sex or whatever and jace being more politically savvy because helena at one point gives a speech and basically says you know marriage he she gives a speech for bela and reyna to basically say you know marriage isn't that bad he mostly ignores you unless you're drunk which is so sad like and then Otto had the nerve to like whisper to her to say oh good job good job good job like no no that's not a good job asshole so anyway um like i said jace is a better politician because after all that happens he gives his speech and then he decides well i'm gonna dance with helena a respectful courteous dance or whatever but you can tell like ev really made Aegon look like an ass because jace just knows how to carry himself better and it's sad because he's younger than Aegon, and Aegon still acts like a child 
So all this goes on. Things start, things really start looking normal. And from Viserys' point of view, the music is like playing this really like lovely music. And he's looking at his wife. He's looking at his daughter. He's looking at his grandchildren, his future, basically. And he thinks shit is sweet. And we know it's not. So as the music's playing, he starts getting, I guess, he's the pain just kind of overwhelms him at this moment because he hadn't been taking any milk of the poppy since we saw him before he walked into the throne room he basically hasn't been taking any medicine all day and he's in a lot of pain so he excuses himself he leaves things carry on and there's a weird moment between Amond and luke where it seems like luke is just eating his food just like laughing carrying on and I don't know if it's because they brought the pig out or maybe it was like a cue thing, like he needed to hit the right moment or whatever. But then once Viserys is gone, that's the moment that Aemon decides, oh, I'm gonna make my speech too. And he makes several comments about his nephews, calling them strong, strong boys, referencing their strength. You know what I mean? And Allison basically says, like, look, we we get a good place. Like, I need you to shut up, Eamon. Like, shut up. Like, why did you even say that? And Eamon's like, what, mom? I'm just giving, I'm just giving my nephews a compliment. You know what I mean? Like, but he knew what he was doing. So another fight almost breaks out. And the person that stops the fight is Damon. Damon pushes his kids to the side and kind of turns around and looks at Amond. And I thought they was about to go back and forth because it's crazy. Amond is like a, he want to be Damon. You can tell like he really respects and kind of like weirdly obsesses over Damon's nonchalant, his like, his attitude, his like, I don't give a, you know, basically his, because Damon carries himself like, I don't give a fuck, you know, like I am me, I, I do me. And Amond is kind of like a poser to me. It's like he wants to be that, but he's so worried about what other people think about him and being the second son and the drama within the family and his cut, his nephews. It's like he worried about everything else that he can't focus on being this macho man that he really want to be because at the end of the day like that's not who you are and it comes he the actor I feel like did a good job expressing that Amond is is a little boy trying to shield himself and all this masculinity but he's still a little boy who got his eye cut out you know so I thought that was, and I was so ready. Ooh, I was so ready. I thought they was going to go at it. And I was like, oh, this is going to be such a good fight. Um, another little side comment, which at first I didn't think was really important. But then after rewatching the episode a few times, I was like, I wonder how they're going to play this out. So apparently, uh, Miseria, her nickname in the book and in the show is like Misery. But this was the girl that Damon was first sleeping with way, way back at the beginning of the season. And um, this is the one that he took to Dragonstone saying he got her pregnant, but he didn't really get her pregnant. Apparently, Misery has had a foothold in the castle because the main server or the main servants for Queen Allison and the family, she is going back and she is reporting everything to the Misery chick. So I just thought that was real funny because 
if this is the same girl that knows that Aegon is sleeping with all these girls and getting them pregnant, you know, what else does this girl know? What else has been going on in this household that she's been privy to? So it's just, that's to me, now that I kind of rewatched and thought about it and really tried to break it down, like that point, they didn't show us that for no reason. Misery, the chick and that servant are going to be back. I promise you, y'all, they do not, they don't show stuff for no reason. I'm telling you. So the show um, then ends with this scene with Allison and Viserys. So we know that this is, I, I kind of figured that this was his death scene just because of the way they had it set up. And kudos to Patty Constantine because, like I said in my last episode, that man and Matt Smith better win an award because they're acting their butts off, as well as Emma Darcy and the two younger actresses that played Allison and Rhaenyra, Millie and Emily. I really hope they get recognition or at least get more work. But this death scene of Viserys is not gonna lie it's hard to watch it's hard to watch but what really kind of threw me and I just kept saying to myself like oh god you're not talking to the right person you're not talking you're not talking to the right person I kept saying that because there is a scene earlier y'all and I think I touched on it I hope I touched on it um I have to go back and check mine I think I checked yeah I think I touched on it where yeah, because I mentioned that uh, Rhaenyra was really upset seeing her dad. So basically, um, or there's a scene earlier where Viserys and Rhaenyra are talking about Aegon's dream. And Viserys is so messed up. He, he's so drugged up. He really can't answer her. And Rhaenyra admits, like, ruling his burden. Like, I need you to support me. This was before the secession. So... In this scene with Allison and Viserys, Viserys thinks that he's talking to Rhaenyra and basically says, like, you're right. He does, I, he does believe in Aegon's conquest. He does believe in the story of A Song of Ice and Fire. He does believe in, in the prince that was promised. And he's mentioning things like Aegon and throne and heir and, and things like that. And Allison being her is picking and choosing because she don't really have context for what for what he's talking about you know what I mean and she she hears what she wants to hear and she interprets this this positive like this confirmation she interprets it as oh the king wants my son to sit on the iron throne just because he mentioned Aegon and it's it's just an unfortunate thing that all these people are named Aegon but again that adds to the story so Patty Constantine is lying in the bed and he's he's doing the scene he's doing his death scene and he's like saying things like enough I'm sorry it has to stop and then he finally says my love and then if you if you have it on caps like on the closed caption he says my love and then immediately afterward it says the breathing stops <laughs> so it's very obvious that He's no longer with us anymore. And unfortunately, King Viserys passes away. Um, I like this better, this death better, because in the book, they just make it seem like he just laid down for a nap and died. Um, this seems a lot better. And you know what? It makes sense that he passed away like this because what we're going to see is how they try to cover up his death and, and 
what happens on on why Alicent is so hellbent on her son being on the throne. So yeah, y'all, that was the episode review. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I didn't really like this episode at first, but reviewing it, rewatching it, taking notes, and and thinking like bouncing ideas off, I was really kind of excited to review this for you guys because the war has truly begun now the king is dead somebody's got to be on the iron throne we thought he was gonna die last week but now he's dead for real y'all so now shit really about to hit the fan um this was a, like i said a really good episode and for it to really only be about two things like they they managed to give us a lot they really really did um i i don't know if i mentioned this but the actors that play the older version of the kids they now that they've aged the kids up again to me as a fan again this that does not bother me everything makes logical sense the show is presenting itself in a way that this makes sense to me so to be honest like it's fine to me like i don't have a problem with it um it, like I said, it, it makes sense. And if I guess if it wouldn't make sense if you just started in one of these episodes. So I think when I tell people to watch this show, I will encourage them to start from the beginning. Because if you start from episode four, if you start from four or five or six, you like I mentioned before, you may not be as invested in the relationship between Allison and Rhaenyra that you may not care that they have beef and all of the all of the stuff that's stemming from their beef. You may not be as invested and you may not care if you don't have that context. So do yourself a favor. I encourage you to watch it from the first episode. It's on HBO. Um all like up to episode eight right now you can watch watch the behind the scenes if you're that kind of person because it gives you context and the showrunners are really good especially like like i said ryan condo and miguel sapochnik are really good at breaking the show down like how i want like how i try to break the show down like they tell you straight up like this is why we wanted to do it this way so if you're that type of person that just i, I like i need to know more i need to get a better understanding I encourage you to watch the behind the scenes and watch a lot of the um the breakdowns so but yeah y'all that was it this is episode eight whoo I didn't think I was gonna have this much to talk about but then kind of going through everything it kind of just I don't know it just kind of all fell into place um what did y'all think about this episode did you like it did you hate it we could all see this episode so i don't want to hear nobody complaining like i was complaining last week about episode seven and not being able to see um but yeah y'all i'm tired Whew, i gotta drink like four bottles of water because my mouth is so dry but this <laughs> this has been black girls love movies i'm lee you are listening to um episode eight house of the dragon review I will be back um, probably Wednesday or Thursday with another cat with another podcast for another movie. Um, like, share this, tell your friends, tell me if you like it, tell me what you want me to review. Um, I'm out, y'all. Peace.